the elegant excellence journal is coming back. Friend, I need you to understand how excited I am. Physical products that are this complex take so much lead time. I had changes based on your feedback, based on my fresh ideas that I wanted to make 18 months ago to the Elegant Excellence Journal. We spent months and months and months working on it this summer and this fall, and we have, I think it is seven new changes debuting for 2023 that I have been bursting at the seams to share with you. I have been using my samples for eight months, and I am obsessed, and it has been so hard not to want to put them on Instagram stories and give them to you guys. So head over to elegantexcellencejournal.com today. I will We'll put that link in the episode description. And for the first time ever, something you have asked for for years is a private community to gather with me, to ask questions, to support one another, go deeper, make like-minded friends, share how you're using the journal, get fresh ideas, share your ahas, help one another, hear one another's ahas. So you can also hear about how to join us inside the Elegant Excellence community at elegantexcellencejournal.com. So this, my dear, is your year for more authentic friendships, more inspiring, supportive relationships, more peace and confidence, and you love, have found the right group of people if you are looking to live life more kindly, calmly, clearly, joyfully, joyfully, and feel more beautiful about yourself and your life inside and out. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friend. Happy Wednesday, where we are convening a meeting of what I would imagine is almost a unanimous agreement that, in some way, shape, or form, all of us struggle with people pleasing. I do not publicly and outwardly generally identify myself as a people pleaser, but I had a big aha about how in a very specific way I actually am. The way that I am not, that I feel most people traditionally are, is in my intimate relationships. And I had an aha about this also a few months back where I realized I think it's because I'm an Enneagram 4 and we deeply value authenticity. And so therefore, I think for me, if I was doing something, like if I was doing you a favor or making a commitment or something that I didn't really want to do, that would be inauthentic. So if we're really close in relationship because I keep walking on eggshells or overextending myself, then we don't really have an authentic relationship. So I don't struggle with it in my intimate relationships, which I think is where most people do, with your friends, with your family, with your church. But what I've realized is that I like to be seen as nice and polite to people that I don't know. (laughs) Many years ago, I was on a work retreat for a private mastermind community that I was part of, and I was rooming with my friend Emily Rosen at the time, and she was like, what is this 
customer service voice that you have. What is this customer service phone voice? And I said, I don't know what you mean. She's like, when you pick up the phone in our room to call down in the hotel, your voice changes. Like you're just speaking normally and then you pick it up and you're like, hello, how are you? Would it be possible for us to get a pot of tea brought up to our room? Thank you so much. And then you hang up and you go back to your normal voice of speaking to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. Now, I think that comes from being taught to have a phone voice growing up. I've talked to Jeremy about this. They did not have this. I was like, how did you answer the phone in your house? And he was like, hello? And I was like, we were like, hello, Rushford residence, Hillary speaking. Like, that's what we were taught to do because my dad was going to get work calls. And then if they were like, hi, is Jerry there? And like, yes, one moment, please. Like, so I think from a very young age, I was taught like, oh, the phone, when we're speaking to distant people, we actually, you know, have this comportment that is a little bit more refined than we do around the people that we can just be relaxed and authentic around. And that's not to say that I am not also sometimes, you know, short or firm over the holidays. We had a customs issue in Marrakesh. And it's been interesting for me to note that If Jeremy, like basically one of us is good cop, bad cop. So if I'm getting more frustrated, he will stay more calm. And if he is more frustrated, I will stay more calm. So it's not to say that in those instances, there aren't ever times when I'm like, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. You know, there are absolutely times when I will do that. But especially I think if it is someone I think that I'm going to see again, if it's a recurring person. You know, even if it's a casual person, like a a barista or a doorman or something, but if it's someone that's going to be in my life, I'm going to be staying at this hotel all week and I'm going to run into them or I see them, you know, regularly for recurring appointments, 95%, I am going for likable. And I wonder what instances this brings to mind in your life. For example, when a waiter comes, how often do you say, good, good, everything's great, when like the food is fine? Or you were like complaining about like, the service seems a little bit slow. But then when it's not so egregious that when they come to the table, you're like, great, great, everything's good. Thank you so much. And there's just this inclination to say, I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to seem unlikable to this person I'm having a very low-level interaction with. But if you ever find yourself saying something is fine when it's really not in these interactions, This conversation is for you. And I hate to admit that I think this is for most women because we all have this subconscious indoctrination, patriarchal mindset over the decades of our life that when women are strong, outspoken, confident, won't budge, it's often seen as unlikable. When men do the same thing, We see them as confident, strong authority figures. So there is this deep conditioning that we all have that I think comes up in different ways. So for me, it isn't in the intimate relationships. And so I thought for so long, I was like, yeah, I'm just really not a people pleaser. I really don't struggle with that. And this interaction I had a few months ago really helped me to become more aware. I do this actually. And It's that I am trying to be more likable and appeasing to a stranger. And in this instance, what I realized or what transpired, and I'll share the details, is that as a result, I caused more chaos for people that I like and love and care about way more. And because in this instance, there suddenly was a trade-off 
about, well, I was prioritizing how this, and when I say low level, I don't mean that they are lower level as a person. I just mean in the hierarchy of my life. This lower level, lower priority person in the grand scheme of things. I ended up prioritizing them over myself, which I guess I've been doing for a while and I've been okay with. But now that I realize I actually was prioritizing them over my husband and my team, now I was able to see the trade-off and realize just how poor that choice was. And then when I tried to change my behavior in my next interaction with the person and stand up for myself more, I found it so hard. I was so acutely aware, this does not feel good in your body. This feels uncomfortable. But it was possible because I was clear on my why. I had seen that trade-off. So doing it kind of for other people gave me more of that determination. And it actually felt kind of thrilling (laughs) because we don't want to feel uncomfortable. That's why we're not speaking up. It would make us feel uncomfortable to make someone else feel uncomfortable. That's why we're staying quiet. But if it was comfortable, we would go ahead and do it. But in this experience, I realized in real time, I am actually making myself more uncomfortable by not speaking up. And therefore, the thrilling part was as I started to do it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually one minute of discomfort for a next hour of peace rather than sitting in the discomfort for an hour. So I will explain, but I also want to say this would not have happened if it wasn't for y'all, this aha. Because it happened on a day when I just serendipitously had a call with the users of our Elegant Excellence Journal and also in my other private community at the time, Elegant Excellence Mastermind, someone had asked a relevant question. We had just been talking about it in that group. Maybe we had a happy hour call with the mastermind that day, but I had two calls back to back. And I think it came up on the journal call. And then some of those girls were also on the happy hour call. And so, and then it related to something someone asked and we ended up expanding on it more. And because of that, I then walked into this appointment, which I had right after these calls, with really the accountability that I had been able to process it with y'all. And then I felt held accountable because I was like, I just called myself out on what I was doing. So now I've got to follow through. So shout out in advance that this is why we grow in communities like the Elegant Excellence community, when there is that intention of other people who are seeking How can I live a little better, live with a little more peace, live with a little less chaos, live with a little more pride in myself? And it's what comes out of the self-coaching that we do in the Elegant Excellence Journal, in the Healing Burnout course, because it's growing that self-awareness that these are small but mighty, real-life things that happen in a week that either drain, deplete, distract, and discourage us. Or we are more aware of them. We've created a little bit more space to pay attention and to adjust. And so we learn to problem solve and therefore bring more peace and ease and self-pride. So the scenario that occurred is I went to get my hair cut and colored. And by the way, I wanted, this was in the fall, and I wanted so desperately to go on Instagram stories and talk about it as I was walking home that night. But the stylist had mentioned that she follows me. And this is a a classic example. I had not launched the Elegant Excellence community yet. 
And I was like, this is why I need that community because some things you just need a more private space for. And to be clear, I'm not bad-mouthing the stylist. It's not really about her. It's about me. But if she was going to watch it right afterwards, it would seem to her like I was bad-mouthing her. And so it also was kind of another penny drop in thinking, we need spaces that aren't just hundreds of thousands of people on Instagram that are a little bit more private to be able to speak more freely if we really want to go to the next level of growth. So here's what happens. I go to get my hair cut and colored. They do the color first, then it's the cut. She says to me, hey, you're my last appointment of the day. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to leave. I'm sure the color is going to be great. But it, this is like, you know, end of the night. She's like, I'm sure the color is going to be great. But if there's any problem, like I'll squeeze you in in the next couple days. And I don't say I have no time to come back in in the next two days. I'm getting on a flight. My work schedule is completely packed. So that option you're proposing as a backup is actually not going to work for me. And I also don't say we haven't done exactly this before. I think I'd only gone to her one other time to do my hair color. And I think we were maybe just doing a partial highlight at that point or something. It wasn't like I've been going to this woman for years. We've used the same formula for three years. Nothing ever changes. That's different. So I didn't say that actually makes me a little uncomfortable because we haven't, this isn't a well-honed thing and I don't have any more time to come in. But instead, I want to be likable. I don't want to say to this woman, no, actually, you need to stay, which I mean, she is, I am paying her, right? I'm hiring her. Like, she works for me in this moment. So why do I not feel that I, and this is a very nice salon. I'm spending a lot of money. Like, why do I not feel that I can say that's not going to work for me? Like, honestly, like, you're going to sit in the corner and, like, scroll Instagram for an hour. Your life is not that hard. Like, that's that's what you need to do. And to be fair, I should not have been asked. I shouldn't have been put in that position because what she was saying was, I'm going to prioritize my time over your time. You will come back in if I didn't do my job right. You will take more time uh, when, you know, as opposed to, and also later when I came back in, she said like, well, that's what happens with the last appointment. And I was like, well, if that's true, then you should let the client know that when they're booking. Like, I just called for an appointment. This is when I was booked. If there's something specific about this, and I think your salon should have a policy that if that's the case, the last slot of the day only ever goes to a client that is a solid repeat who is doing something that you've done before and not somebody's having something done new. So anyways, get my cut. Leave. I'm honestly not even looking at the color when he finishes it. He's like, how do you like it? I'm like, good. Like, I just want to, I think because I'm like, well, if I don't like it, there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just not even really registering the question for myself. I'm just like, I like the cut. That's all he can control. Great. I wake up the next day and I'm like, my hair is red. My hair is red. Uh, My hair was not supposed to be red. I personally hate when my hair is red. I have a very pinky complexion. I just do not think it flatters me at all. I am heading home to take our family photos that we do annually. From there, I'm going to Europe. Like, I I don't want to have hair that I don't feel beautiful in for months and for all of these activities. And obviously, if I didn't care about my hair, I wouldn't have made a hair appointment, you know? So we can almost sort of be like, well, should I just like, you know, is this silly that I'm caring about this? No, (laughs) it is not. We all want to feel beautiful and it's totally valid. 
but I have no time for this other appointment. So right off the bat, I am super frustrated. It's like Thursday now. I leave Friday night. I've got like, you know, 36 hours before I go and I have no window in which to go back. I'm frustrated. Jeremy and I end up, you know, getting in a fight because I'm in such a bad mood that morning. I'm super flustered trying to figure it out. I now don't know how I'm going to get my work done, which then impacts my team and they're going to have to be scrambling for things. And so that's when the penny dropped that to honor her time, even above my own, what I really did was dishonor my teams and Jeremy's. Yes, I dishonored my own time and I wish that were enough for me to just feel confident in. And can I just say, it is wild to me when I say these things out loud because I feel like an incredibly confident grown woman. (laughs) I don't feel that I walk around like a little mouse just constantly tiptoeing around everyone else. And yet that's what I did in that moment. I prioritized her time over my time And I don't know why that, why do I have that inclination? But then furthermore, when I realized the impact on my team and Jeremy's, that's when suddenly it was like, well, now the scales feel so out of balance that this feels inappropriate. So we schedule another appointment for that day. I I guess it was that night. So I do these two teaching calls. When we first get on the Elegant Excellence Journal call, somebody's like in the chat is like, I love your hair. And I'm like, thank you so much. I actually hate it. And I wish that I wasn't having to teach two live classes today with it, but I end up like vaguely telling them the story. And then as I said, I think on the Mastermind Happy Hour call, this idea of standing up for ourselves and and speaking for what we want and honoring our own time, whatever comes up. So I get to the appointment. She says on text, she's like, uh, because I'm messaging with her that morning and she says, like, it'll take an hour. So I'm like, okay, great. So I leave the house saying to Jeremy, I will be back in an hour for dinner. I do take my laptop being like, maybe I could get some stuff done, but mostly it's going to be an hour. I'll be home for dinner. It's fine. I get there and she's like, okay, so we can either take out the red, but then it's going to strip the color out from your grays, or we can keep the grays, but then it's still going to have some red in it. And I'm very proud of myself because I'm very aware at this point coming out of these calls that I'm like, that it has to be both. Like she's giving me a, you can choose A or B. And I'm like, it has to be both. And I stood up for myself that I was like, the reason I came in at this point was because of my grays. So if the grays didn't bother me, I wouldn't have come in for the first appointment. And the reason I'm back is because the red is unacceptable. So I wouldn't have come either time, be sitting in your chair. I didn't say this to her, like, but in my mind, I'm like, why am I paying you hundreds of dollars if I'm cool with either of these options? Why am I giving you hours of my time? This trade-off is not acceptable. So I basically then pushed for her to problem solve, to be like, you're saying it's an A or B and that's unacceptable. You're the expert. I need you to to solve for this. This was your issue and it's for you to solve. And I was not... I was very conscious. I was not rude about it. And I think probably because I didn't want to then sit there feeling rude for hours. So I was calm. I was, you know, but I just was speaking the truth. I was just calmly, neutrally speaking the truth. It needs to be both because I wouldn't have come in the first time and I would have come in the second time. So it needs to be both. And just, you know, let her deal with it for them. Then maybe an hour later, She's like, so I can't do this gloss thing without washing it again. So it's again like a, she's kind of saying like, yeah, it's going to have to be an A or a B. And I'm like, so you'll need to shampoo it again then. 
Like she's basically being like, I can't do this because I'd have to take the time to shampoo it again. And I'm like, yeah, we're both going to have to take the time then to shampoo it again. And all throughout, I just really kept micromanaging. I would ask every step of the way, can I see the color swatches for that? Can you explain that to me again? Walk me through the options. Like I really just stayed on it. And my second big aha sitting there was I realized that I was less uncomfortable. I think I sat there, guys, for like three and a half hours or something. It was so long. I realized I was less uncomfortable during all of those hours actually speaking up for myself because if I didn't, I would have been feeling anxious about my hair the whole time. That I was actually, I was more restful sitting there because I was exerting short periods of I will sit in this uncomfortable conversation for two minutes so I can then sit here restfully for the next half hour, understanding the process and knowing what's happening. And so being, one could say, high maintenance, one could say, demanding, but really I was just asking for what I had paid for. I wasn't being high maintenance. I wasn't nitpicking every little thread. I came in for a dark brown root touch-up with caramel highlights. And I left with red hair and I left with, came back with her saying, well, we could take out the root touch-up. Like when you separate it out, I would imagine that you listening are like, that feels very normal. You just are, yeah, you're asking for what you paid for. But I also imagine that you can relate that in that moment, you're like, yes, I can think of similar scenarios where I would feel like I'm being high maintenance demanding, difficult, because I'm saying I just want what I paid for. And even furthermore, I am, I'm not getting a discount on this. Like, and I thought later, like, maybe I should have followed up about that. But like, I'm giving you more of my hours just to leave with the exact same product I paid for yesterday that I should have gotten in the first set of three hours. So I'm the one that's losing out. So at very least, I should be coming out with exactly what I paid for. And I realize I usually am anxious at hair appointments because I don't speak up. Now, I don't know, maybe you don't have this problem with hair appointments for some reason, I have a lot of issues at salons and I find this deeply frustrating because it makes me feel like I'm a high maintenance person and I don't want to feel high maintenance. I don't want to feel like my hair is complex. But for some reason, like I had an issue at my last salon, which again actually was about someone coloring my hair red. So we think now my hair just has like a natural propensity to go red and you have to be like more sensitive with it. I don't know. So I actually like left that old salon because I was like, well, they turned me red. It took two appointments to go back and fix it. Like, let me just do a fresh start. So I think that also is because I'm like, I don't have that many more salons in the neighborhood that I can go to. (laughs) Like, I think I was motivated to say, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to embarrass myself and feel like I can't come back here. And if this is the second person that's had this issue with my hair, then let me just invest more time to be like, even if I have to micromanage her, I this will be my go-to hair girl and we will now have extensive notes rather than just fleeing the situation 
either not speaking up for myself and being upset or getting very frustrated and then feeling embarrassed. So I think that was part of my motivation as well was like, you only have so many options and you're just going to have to like start all of this over again. So now I was just more aware of like, okay, I need to look at swatches when I go. You need to look at the hair color, bring it out to me. Let's visually see this does not have any red in it. I need to stay present. I need to lead. I now, you know, in any future salons that I go to, I need to share it has a propensity to go red. So that's something that we need to be, you know, aware of. I guess like we all have natural undertones that we lead to. So would it be great if I did not have to micromanage when I'm at some an appointment and I could just have someone that I'm paying and they do it? Absolutely. So if when we have those people in our lives, keep them. But when we aren't sure, leaning in makes it better, speaking up. And so I'm curious for you, I'm going to list these questions in the show notes, the description below, for you to ponder on them, journal about them, talk through them with a girlfriend over coffee. When do you not speak up? And it might be in these small ways. It might also be in bigger ways. And there are, you know, you're like, I don't say anything when my mother-in-law says this or that, you know? And there might be wisdom in it. It might be, because that's it's not that it's always the wrong choice to make. But I think really looking into what is my motivation and what is the long-term impact of it. Because maybe this is a recurring person that I see and this keeps the peace. This avoids drama. I've already decided my options are fight, flight, or freeze. And in this family relationship, fight doesn't get us anywhere. This person is not mentally healthy. This person doesn't respect boundaries. Like fight is not getting us anywhere. It's not so toxic that I feel I need to flee. So I do freeze. I do make the mature, grounded, emotionally, mentally healthy choice to not speak up and just not let that person take more energy over my life. It's not that it's always a bad thing, but I'm curious specifically in these small situations, when do you not speak up? And when do you cause more discomfort for the people close to you? Like you're at a meal. Actually, had this happen recently. I was at a meal. There was four of us. And someone was very unhappy with the service, that it was taking too long and it was stressing them out. But they really kind of ruined the meal for the rest of us because they were so huffy and constantly looking over their shoulder and stressed about it rather than just getting up and going to speak to the waiter. Hey there, I wanted to check in. We have tickets at this time. We need to leave at this time. Could you please go check in with the kitchen? Is there a problem? Like instead of just handling one minute of the discomfort, they created 25 minutes of discomfort for all of us instead. Are you late to work, which then causes you know chaos on your team and is rude to the people who are waiting for you for a meeting because your, you know, your breakfast order at the takeout place didn't get delivered and people behind you seem to be going, but you don't really want to be a problem. You don't want to seem impatient and ask where your order is. But ultimately, like maybe your order got lost and all you're doing just calmly, respectfully, doesn't have to be sassy. Can I just check on order 83? Like, I I think that guy was behind me. Just wanted to make sure it didn't get lost. Like, that it can be as simple as that of speaking up for yourselves. Next question, what is and is not rude? Like, what is the story that we have about how we're negatively going to be perceived? And is that accurate? And what are the small shifts? Like, kind of what I just modeled there where you're like, 
well, yes, I guess I assume I'm going to do it in an exasperated tone. Or I hear other people do it where they're rude to the customer service person. You're like, right, yeah, we just don't have to do it in that tone. But it doesn't have to be rude. Why do I think this is high maintenance rather than advocating for myself? Like, what are the words that come up? And what is that word, demanding, difficult, whatever, and what is not? And then also, what do you not think is rude when a man does it? but you do when a woman does it. And this one is really insidious to start paying attention to. A big one for me many years ago was realizing politicians. I realized years ago, like back when Obama was running, that I was not really a fan of Hillary Clinton. I found her like abrasive and things like that. And then I just realized later that was sexist. That's because I'm wanting a warmth and a likability from a female candidate that would not be the inherent turnoff for me in a male candidate. And I really just challenged myself over the years as she kind of came back on the scene or whatever to just, and I, this is Democrat or Republican that I'm just really paying attention to. It's not about even do I like your policies? Am I necessarily voting for you? But am I sure that I'm not liking you less because you're a woman and you are standing up in this way. And if the roles were reversed in this conversation or the gender was reversed, would I be thinking, oh, he seemed really confident. He really seems like a leader or something like that. So if you have examples in the coming weeks that arise for you when you see this and are able to apply it, I would love to hear them. If you're a member of the Elegant Excellence community, please come over and share them there. I have a feeling there are way more that I am unaware of in myself. And again, here, the focus is not about being controlling to others, and it's not even about being right and saying they were wrong. It's just about honoring our time and energy and also those of the people that we love. And even in the moment when it's not that you caused chaos for your team or the people at your table were uncomfortable. When we leak our time and energy, it's got to come out of some other place. And so in a in an unrelated way, it's going to come out of more time or patience around your kids, or it's going to come out of you didn't get your own time, your own calmness. You were flustered on your way there, and so it's stolen from you at the end of the day, and therefore you don't show up as good of a parent, partner, friend, etc., and it's not above it's not saying that we are or our people are above strangers as in we are dismissing them it's simply that we're not deferring to them as number 1 and i think that could even come up in other areas of your life where are you deferring to you know your job that is so unrealistic in the boundaries that it that it creates they are so dismissive of you being a working mother but you are deferring to them as opposed to saying, why am I putting this above my family? Maybe it's time to go get another job. Where are you, or maybe that family situation you talked about, where are you saying, I'm actually putting you, you know, I'm putting this extended relative above my children by letting us just sit in this situation. So it's not saying I am above you, I am disrespecting you, I'm dismissing you. It's just saying, I don't want to defer and elevate the people that aren't actually the very most close and important to me. And when I say that, it makes no sense. Why on earth am I deferring to the hair colorist when I know the next two days of my schedule are packed? 
it it blows my mind honestly when I see that I do it because in my gut, I'm like, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. And yet in practice, I am. And I think that is so the value of self-coaching, self-awareness, being in a community of other people that are self-coaching is that we find, we shed light on these little pockets that, again, are seemingly small things in our week, but when something actually ends up taking hours of your energy or triggering your nervous system, having an impact on you and those around you, it's actually not a small thing. It's actually why you felt like you had a good day or a bad day, a good week or a bad week. So I am so interested to hear what comes up for you. I am so grateful that you are here and on this journey with me, and I will see you over in the Elegant Excellence community, over on Instagram, and then back here next Wednesday. You're welcome in advance with a hair toss of hair that is uh, definitely caramel and not red. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is... Having a little container on my bedside table, I started doing this a few months ago, and it has made such a difference of that adage, like out of sight, out of mind, where when things were in my drawer, which does your bedside table have a drawer and the drawer has like a million things in it? I even cleaned it out recently, but there's still a lot of things in there. So all of that is in there, and that means I just wasn't using lip balm before I went to bed, hand cream, like just some of those things that I wanted to use. I have this like pillow spray for sleep that I put on. I had these things, but I wasn't using them because there are 20 things in the drawer and only three of them are actually relevant when I climb into bed with my novel or my Kindle to read. And so I had, I think it actually happened because I had this diptyque candle, like this really, really pretty candle container that I was done with, but I didn't want to throw it out because it was so pretty. And I was kind of like, I've got to find a place to put this or Jeremy's going to be like, why are, Why do we just have something sitting in a drawer? So I think I was actually looking for like, where could this go? And I was like, oh, this could actually go on my end table as a little tableau. And I thought, oh, you know what? I could put my hand cream, my lip gloss, my little things in there. And by the way, with candles, sometimes if you put them into the freezer, the wax shrinks and then you're able to pop it out. It doesn't always work, but sometimes that works. Might also just be easier to, you know, find a cute little container next time you're at home goods or something. But having that on my bedside table, I've realized I'm so much better about that little element of my going to bed routine that just feels, to me, those really are the little elements of what makes me feel beautiful. Just that little, the little routines, the using the nice smelling hand cream and the lip gloss and it's pretty, it smells good. I know that I'm genuinely taking care of myself. It's not just randomly superfluous. It's good that I'm hydrating my skin. And so those little details, like it does create a little bit more of that ritual when I get into bed that that I enjoy, that there is something like feminine and grown up about kind of having that nighttime ritual. And then I have a new favorite lip balm. It's by Malin and Goats. I'll put the link below. And I got it in a swag bag, like a company that I shop from a lot started carrying beauty products and they sent a a bunch of free stuff. And so I thought because it came in this swag bag, I realized that I associated, I was like, I bet this is probably like 
$30 or $45. Like, this is probably really expensive, and I'm not really going to want to buy it again, but I am in love with it. It's just, like, creamy, not sticky. And to be fair, I think I was using really crappy stuff before. I had a bunch of chapsticks from, like, this other company where I, like, met the founder years ago, and I think she gave me so many of them. I think I've just been holding on to them for too long, and maybe they just weren't that great a quality to begin with, and now they're just here, and I have that mentality of, like, well, I should use up what I have before I buy more. And so I haven't bought lip gloss in years. And then someone gives me this one. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So if you're obsessed with your lip gloss, I don't mean to say you got to go out and buy this one. It may have been because I was using crappy stuff before. But I'm thinking this is like $30 or $45. I finally look it up. It's $15. I feel so excited about this. And then I realize that was ridiculous for me to think that anyone is buying chapstick for $45. Like, where did this come from? Probably it's like, $8, I'm guessing. I don't even know because I guess I haven't bought it in forever. So this is probably already double that. This probably is expensive for lip gloss. But how funny is that that I had an association that because this company has some higher-end lines, they were sending me higher-end beauty samples, and therefore this is probably out of reach, so don't get too attached to it. I already had that conscious story over lip gloss and that... I was so excited to be like, oh my gosh, this actually is affordable and now I'm in love with it. So what is not out of reach, my friend, is the pricing of our Elegant Excellence Journal for 2023 and the Elegant Excellence Community. And you can find out more about both of those below. Till next Wednesday. 